Welcome to this week's episode of Rachel Gaffney's Real Ireland. I'm live from my home here in Dallas, Texas. I'm not in the Lincoln Center where I normally am with uh, the team and I miss them all, but we're all working remotely and doing the best we can. Uh, they were asking me the other day, where should we visit this week? You know, people are still going to travel eventually. They may not be traveling now, but they will be traveling soon. And I was saying, well, what about the sunny southeast coast of Ireland? What about Wexford? And some few people said to me, I've never been to Wexford and Irish people who haven't actually been to Wexford. Um, uh, so come along with us and let's have a little journey to Wexford on the sunny southeast coast of Ireland. There are so many reasons why you should be visiting Wexford, um, not least of which is, is packed full of history, chock a block with history. And indeed, there are reasons why it's uh, dubbed the sunny southeast, which is sometimes sounds like a, an oxymoron in Ireland, but they do get um, the most amount of sunshine uh, days out of the year than all the other counties. So let's go on a little journey to County Wexford and see some of the places, meet some of the people. And uh, we've got some treats for you up uh, shortly. County Wexford. Gosh, what can I say about it? Let's let's get started. Um, the Vikings um, invaded Wexford back in the 8th century and then just about less than two centuries later, I'd say it was almost two centuries later. Yes, the Normans invaded. So Wexford are no strangers to um, invaders. Um, when, when we start, we can start on the outer coast and just about five kilometers off the coast are the Salty Islands. And the Salty Islands are located about, I'd say, five kilometers, three or four miles from Wexford. They're privately owned islands, but you can visit them. And the Salty Islands are divided up into two islands, actually. One is the, the, the Greater Island and one is the Little Salty Island. But a little known fact is the large island is known as one of the greatest, one of the, most, the best and famous bird sanctuaries in Ireland. So if you want to go there and see all this beautiful natural uh, bird wildlife and puffins you can go across there and they allow you to do some day trips and that's just well worth a visit. Moving inland we can move to um, New Ross and go take a visit to uh, Tintern Abbey. Tintern Abbey was founded in 1200 by William Marshall and William Marshall was the Earl of Pembroke. This abbey is located about 10 miles from New Ross or 16 kilometres and it takes its name from Tintern Abbey in Wales. And the story or the legend goes that the Earl was on a ship and encountered the most treacherous of storms. He vowed to establish a monastery if he reached land safely. Well, as you can see, he did reach land safely and true to his word, he did build this abbey. So this is another um, location that you can check out when you're visiting Wexford. Um, another location is Dunbrody Famine Ship and Immigration Experience, or the Irish Immigrant Experience. And this is also located in New Ross. The Dunbrody Famine Ship is a very famous ship. Um, this ship was originally built in the 1840s, 1845 to be precise, by a merchant family in um, Wexford. The ship was built in Quebec and it was used as to import and export materials. Now, we all know that in 1845, the famine hit Ireland and this ship uh, quickly had to be used as a passenger ship. So the family had to stop using it for cargo and they had to fit it out bunks for the immigrants who were um, fleeing to North America and to Canada. So this famine ship was used between 1845 and 1851. 
um, and now you can, they have a recreation of this ship um, located in Wexford and you can visit this. It's a wonderful experience. You can take the family and uh, really get a feel for what it was like in those times. So that's the Dunbrody famine ship experience. Moving on, then we go to visit Enniscorthy Castle, which is, of course, in the town of Enniscorthy. Um, this is about 30 minutes north from New Ross. Um, this castle was built in the 13th century, and it was home to Norman knights, English armies, Irish rebels, Irish prisoners, and merchant families. The Ross Tapestries. Now, the Ross Tapestries are something that you really don't want to, to miss. These were the brainchild of the Reverend Paul Mooney and uh, the, by Reverend Paul Mooney, and they were inspired by um, the Bayou Tapestries in France. You might know the Bayou Tapestries. These tapestries, they started making these probably back in 1998. Uh, I hope I'm not wrong. I'm, I, I might be out by year, but 1998, and they got 150 volunteers in Wexford and from some surrounding counties, actually two uh, stitchers to make this uh, beautiful tapestry. There's 15 panels, and I believe they're still currently working on one of the panels. And these tapestries um, are telling the story of the Norman invasion in Ireland. Um, so those are something that are well worth a visit for anybody who likes uh, history and uh, culture. After the uh, Ross tapestries, after the Ross tapestries and getting some culture, you might want to take a visit to Hook Lighthouse. And Hook Lighthouse is actually the oldest lighthouse in Europe, and it is the oldest operating lighthouse in the world. And it's set on a magnificent location there on the Hook Peninsula. This is again something that you really want to, uh, to check out and visit. The Irish National Heritage Park. Gosh, this goes, this is such an experience. This will cover 9,000 years of Irish history. And you can journey through the prehistoric and early Christian um, eras um, here at this national park. And it covers about 40 acres. It's incredible. It's got woodlands and everything. So well worth a visit. And you'll also see the dolmen there, one of the original dolmens. Um, and a dolmen, to see a dolmen up close, it's the beautiful stone that you see here. Um, you just have to be there and feel, gosh, these people that were here before me, um, how do they lift this? How do they, how do they do this without cranes? And how do they do this without, you know, it was long before the invention of the wheel. So these are head scratchers for sure, but very, very um, Celtic in, in nature. You can take a, a lovely visit to Kilmokey Country Manor and Gardens, uh, another beautiful property in County Wexford. Um, the Salties, again, I mentioned the Salty Islands and Vinegar Hill. So for those of you that love the outdoors and want to hike and walk, there's absolutely no shortage of this in Ireland. Uh, the colours, the woods, the trees, flowers. Uh, I mean, it's it's a breathtaking county. And then if you like country houses and you, want to, you haven't had enough culture, you can go to Johnston House um, and visit there. Now, while you're there, and of course, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the John F. Kennedy Park and Arboretum, which is named after, of course, John F. Kennedy, the president, um, and not to his ancestors who came from County Wexford. Um, or the Duncannon Fort, which is the star-shaped military fort overlooking 
the 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 sea there, the ocean there, when they were uh, afraid of um, invasion. In fact, this star-shaped fort was built around 1588, and it was when they were expecting um, an attack from the Spanish Armada. So that's another wonderful fort to visit. So you can see that that covers an awful lot of history there in Wexford. Now, if you're staying there, there's a property there that I love, and it's called Dunbrody House. And Dunbrody House is a Georgian property in Wexford. And it's owned by husband and wife team, chef Kevin Dundon and his wife, Catherine. And um, I follow Kevin on his Instagram and see him cooking every day at the moment. So I reached out to Kevin and said, look, we're all stuck in our houses. Um, people can't get there just yet, but I'd love them to take a visit and um, get to know you both. So we did. We set up a little chat with them yesterday and uh, we had quite a few laughs, I have to say. I had to edit out some of it. <laughs> It's a PG show and everything, but uh, you can tell uh, by watching this, you will see the kind of character emerging from uh, Kevin Dundon, but uh, just take a look and see what you think. All right, and tuning in from Ireland, from the sunny southeast coast, we have Catherine and Kevin Dundon from Dunbrody House. Well, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Great to be here. Nice Thank to you. Be here. So first, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask, because it's a very Irish question. How's the weather in Wexford right now? <laughs> it's gorgeous. It's absolutely gorgeous. Blue skies. I've just come in from the, from the garden and just put my top on. I was out there in shorts, somebody. I was going to say, he's in shorts. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the beauty of these calls. We can, what does it say, business on the bottom, party on the yeah. top? <laughs> no, it's the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get back to what we're talking about. <laughs> so I'm thrilled you guys could join us. And I think just to remind people how this all came about um, when I was choosing different counties and different places and we tried to visit somewhere different in Ireland, whether it's a different county, different property, meet a different personality. I've been watching Instagram probably like everybody else at the moment. And who am I seeing on Instagram at two o'clock every day? Well, two o'clock in Ireland. That's 8 p.m. here, Central Time, because we're in Texas, so Central Time, and uh, 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Kevin, you're on there every day cooking. Could you give us a little quick rundown on what you're doing and what you're, what's happening? And what kind of, just tell us what's happening on Instagram. Yeah, so um, basically it's myself and my daughter. So Sophie is, is uh, 16 going on 17, and so Sophie videos me. And basically I just decided, like everybody's cocooned at home or staying at home, and just to give a little bit of inspiration on, on what to cook for dinner tonight. So we kind of do these eight, between six and 10 minute short videos of the very normal food and just kind of bring a bit of humanity back into people's homes. So it's anything from, from a beef stew to an Irish soda bread, to scones, to bread and butter pudding, to uh, like yesterday I did a lovely pan seared piece of cod with uh, lovely cherry tomatoes and potatoes, it was all in one pot. But uh, it's it's uh, really taken off. There's an awful lot of people uh, watching them. And, and what's really, really nice, whatever about the numbers are huge, but what's really nice is the comments. It's like people are thanking me, thanking us for doing it. And they're waiting for two o'clock every day to, to enjoy them. And they're asking questions, particularly on Instagram, and we're answering them. Which is yeah, great. That. And, and Sophie, can I just say your daughter Sophie yeah. this too? Because she's really good. Because <laughs> I've heard you a few times, Sophie, get it over here into this bowl. Yeah. <laughs> you are no. producer and executive producer, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, 
But what's, what's funny about Sophie is, because everyone wants to see Sophie, and Sophie won't turn the camera around, but she has a couple of times by mistake. <laughs> but but uh, I, and the last time I said, okay, uh, turn the camera around, and everyone wants to see it, and she said, okay. And she never did. So she was there tasting the food, pretending she turned the camera around, <laughs> and she never did. So anyway, it's one of these fine days, maybe yeah. on her birthday. Her birthday is the 13th of April, so maybe oh, on her birthday, turn the camera around. The big reveal, the big Sophie reveal. Yeah, yeah. we'll we appear with the cake. <laughs> one that she's baked herself. Because you did one the other day, I think it was a Victoria sponge or something with strawberries, mm. and you said one oh, of yeah. the had made it. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a, it's something that we would actually serve here in Dumbrody House in, uh, for afternoon tea. And I think we're so blessed here being in the southeast corner of Ireland where with the weather, our strawberries in Wexford are unbelievably good. They're so sweet mm. and naturally sweet. So I always kind of come up with these desserts that, that incorporate strawberries. So the Victoria sponge with the raspberry jam, which the raspberries are coming from our garden during the summer here. And we make it into a jam and then we've got the, the strawberries in there with the fresh Irish cream. And the sponge is so light and delicious. And then we like cut through it and just dust with a little bit of icing sugar just to give you that extra bit of sweetness. But that with a cup of Irish tea, you really, it's we hard to beat. <laughs> I know. You need to get over here. Let's go back to Don Brody House and how it all started. And uh, the two of you actually lived and worked in Canada once upon a time. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Uh, back in 1993 and 94. Um, and um, it was always a dream of ours to, you know, Yours. come back <laughs> and open our own place. I was very happy. <laughs> I wanted to be beside the sea. <laughs> so the mountains didn't do it for me after 12 months. <laughs> um, so we came back in, um, we got married in 94 and um, came back about two months, three months later. Uh, Kevin went to the Shelburne Hotel as the executive head chef and um, we moved back lock, stock and barrel. And then from when we were living in Dublin, then we were looking around at, you know, what was coming up for sale around the country. And we really wanted to find a place that would be open 12 months of the year so that it would be, you know, a, a year long business rather than a seasonal business. So we did really restrict ourselves from, you know, sort of Dublin down the East Coast and as far as Waterford. Um, so it's the whole Wicklow, Wexford, Waterford. So all within you know, two to two and a half hours of Dublin. And um, yeah, Kevin was walking by an estate agent uh, around the corner from the Shelburne and saw Don Brody <laughs> in the window. Oh, yeah. And, and then the hilarious thing about it was is that we came down to view Don Brody. And when you were looking at these houses around Ireland, <clears throat> the owners actually show you around, so you don't have a realtor. And we, we walked, walked into the house and we used to be just rushed around the house and then out, ages outside in the garden. We always thought, and we'd leave the house and go, we fell in love with it instantly. <laughs> so when but did you actually buy the house? When did you buy Don Brody? October, the end of October, 94. Six. 96, yeah. And I moved down here on the 31st of January of 97 and lived in a caravan <laughs> as site manager. And we opened May 3rd to a wedding on uh, that year. Did you uh, have to do anything to Dumbrody when you purchased it? No? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
We're still, We're still doing, doing this. <laughs> it never stops. I can only We're imagine. Progress, Rachel. <laughs> because just to tell everybody, so Dunbrody is a Georgian property. So these gorgeous homes come with their own, I'd say, quite a workload to maintain and upkeep um, these historical properties. Yeah, it was the house was built in 1830, so we're nearly 200 years old. So it's uh, it's a joy. Not us, not us, the house. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a lovely Georgian um, property that, you know, it's got the lovely high ceilings, um, lovely bright Georgian windows and French doors going out into the garden. And all of the rooms here all connect one into the next, into the next, which is a really lovely feel. On the ground floor, not your bedrooms. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very special property. That has its own. Very special. Very special. <laughs> That's very different audience. Hotel <laughs> so we started with 10 bedrooms. Yeah. And then we had 12. Then we came up to 20. And now we have, when we had to put a new roof on a, a few years ago, we, we added the other extra two bedrooms. So we're 22 bedrooms now. Can you tell people who the old Stewart's house is? Yeah, the Stewart's house was. was I, I guess if you put it into context of a hotel, he would have been the general manager of the hotel, but he was the general manager of the estate. He's the estate so, manager. Estate manager. So he would have managed all the staff. And, at, you know, in the height of Dunbrody House, when it was being run as a, as a family house, there would have been 150 staff working here between gardens, the big fruit gardens, all the farmland, the animals, the tillage, everything was, was happening. And all managed by this one person. So you would have had him and then you would have had the head housekeeper. So it was a bit like Downton Abbey in, in that respect. Yes. That you would have the full infrastructure, front of house, mm. back of house feel. And even there was a bell system within the house. So there was bells in each room and you press the bell and some, some person would come in and... You, you know, still have those? Yeah. We do have them. And, and you can, like, not now, okay, just so you know, right? <laughs> But years ago, you used to be, when you were in bed, you could press the button and the housemaid would come up and tuck you in and give you a kiss on the, on the cheek and put you to sleep. Come here, there's a theme running through this property that I've got to up on just yeah. yet. It's a very relaxed house. You know, with the, with the maids coming up and giving you a kiss and a cuddle, you know? Well, that's why they used to say that when you'd have a house party, that one of the maids' jobs in all of these houses was that they had to go up and warm the bed, you know, so that when you were coming oh, up to go to bed. Yeah. No, they used to get into the bed to warm the bed. So what? The sheets... Yes. No, they yes, did. Yes, they did. No, it was one of those pan things. You know those cold That's pan those bed things? Pans. Those, were, cold. Yeah. those were later. Oh. So, Catherine, do you... Never mind. I was going to say no. 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 <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, you have a cooking school. Don't you? Yeah, so, so the cooking school is good and it's, it's super if you want to incorporate uh, Irish cooking within your, your vacation here in Ireland because our courses are one day, two day, our five day master class. We would get quite a lot of uh, Amer American clients coming for the master class for five days. Um, but the one day courses are superb. Mm. And, and what's great about it is, is that uh, the cooking course is from 10 o'clock in the morning till, till four. Uh, three, three, and then you're eating till four if you want. And then we also have our spa as well. So if one person wants to do the cooking course and the other person wants to go to the spa, there's something for them to do. That's really uh, important. And can I ask you, I get, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but you, I, I don't want to forget this because I get asked this all the time. I now have golfers 
who yeah. want to go and golf and they want to bring their wives that <clears throat> not saying that women don't golf, they do, but there are a lot that don't. And mm -hmm. they say, where can I stay where I can play some golf? And then my wife my, or my, the girls could do something different. And this is not, don't get on to me about gender, but this is a genuine question I get asked a lot. We're so, very fortunate in that, in that respect because we've got a number of really good golf courses. So you've got Ross Lair, which is a links course, which is about a 40 minute drive from here. You've got, player, yeah, you've got uh, you've got Fake Leg, which is a which is the course I'm a member of, which is ten minutes from the house, which is a championship uh, uh, golf course. That That's just on the other side of the little car ferry. Yeah, oh, so really? and, that, and that that had the Salomon Cup was played there a number of years ago. So it's it's like at that level, mm -hmm. <clears throat> you have tr you've got Tremor Golf Club course, which is an excellent golf course. Another well. links, and then you have a, a nice Parkland, which is uh, New Ross. Like there's, I think this whole area, there's so much to do when, when you do your search on it. Like, I mean, you could be busy here for three weeks solid without going to the same place yeah. twice. So, and that's, that's, that's... for sure. And if somebody was to do a one-day cookery course, let's say with you, what would you typically expect them to experience in that day? Is it hands-on? Is it a demo? What, what would they it's, experience? It's a, it's a bit of both because you, when you come in in the morning, we kind of... Uh, we do a demo, so it's kind of going through the fundamentals of cooking. We might be doing some pesto, some chutney, some uh, uh, breads and stuff like that in the morning. And then in the afternoon, we do hands-on uh, cooking then that day. Oh, that's so, nice. That's so nice. it's just kind of like, it's really kind of, you come out with a lot in a day, you'd be surprised because our course, we don't, of course, there's never more than 10 people. So, and it's actually, it's actually the kitchen that you actually see on the Instagram live. But it's uh, there's never more than ten people, so it's very one to one. So we're very flexible. So you might come in and decide you're doing breads and soup course, for example. But when you come in, you say, "Listen, last week I was in my kitchen and I was trying to do creme brulee, brulee, and it just wasn't working for me." Well, we were capable of, of flipping out the, the class and incorporating creme brulee in that day for you, or maybe you did, maybe you did an Irish solar bread and it didn't work out for you, or you did a bacon and cabbage and and it wasn't quite right. Yes. You know, if we if we have the ingredients within the hotel, then we, we do it that day. But well, so. what's nice for American visitors is that a lot of Irish people do the cookery course. So you are, you know, you're not, you, you're meeting, you know, a, a really nice Irish clientele as well. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it, it's a really nice feel then, you know, you're getting it, the authenticity of it. Yes. She's good, I, isn't she? Yes. That's lovely, though. No, but it is nice because they want to interact with other, you know. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Obviously, source a lot of ingredients from your gardens. And I, I saw we, we have a photo here, which we're going to show. And we'll show some imagery of this, of, you know, your chefs are out in the garden um, sourcing ingredients. Can you give us an idea of what you have on property, maybe, what you might use? In yeah. your I always describe Dumbrody. I've worked for a lot of international hotels all over the world. Okay. And, uh, you know, whether it's Fairman Hotels or Canadian Civic to the um, 40 Hotel Group. And uh, the more successful you become as a chef, the less cooking you actually do. And um, when we opened Dumbrody House, it was, it was because we're a smaller property. I was back in the kitchen full time. And it's something that I really love. And I describe Dumbrody as a chef's paradise for the simple reason that we're growing the majority of our own food on property. And in the afternoon, the gardener comes up with a basket of, of vegetables and salad and tomatoes that are coming from our garden. And that's what's being served that night in the restaurant. 
and equally, <clears throat> we would only use day boats that go out fishing from the local Duncan, which is a mile from the house. And the fish is coming in that day, it's going on the menu that night. Uh, so it's like everything is the freshest, the freshest that you can, can be. And I think our, our, our style of food is, uh, you know, letting the ingredients speak for themselves and doing super, simple food well. <laughs> so like when you order a piece of turbot in the restaurant, the first thing I want you to see is the turbot or is the cod or is the fillet of beef or the coat the buff uh, is the first thing you should see when it comes and it shouldn't be smothered in sauces because we don't need to do that because the ingredients are so good. You, I saw you did a <coughs> grill there. So do you, do you basically see what the fishermen have? So depending on what their catch is, uh, do you base your menu on, on that or do you look for certain products or? No, we, we basically base it on, on what's available to us locally uh, on the day. So uh, I could know one day or two days out what, what's, what's available out in the sea. Or, uh, and I think that's, uh, that's kind of a unique thing for us in the sense I'm, I'm very fortunate to have such a bountiful county and coastline. And, and uh, even like there's guys here that actually um, fish off of Hookhead, which is the yeah. oldest lighthouse in the world, working lighthouse in the world, which is yeah. only 10 minutes up the road. Um, they're catching sea bass off, off the coastline. Mackerel, mackerel is amazing. Once mackerel is caught and, and cooked that day and just simply filleted with um, uh, pan, pan with lovely uh, lemon butter on top. I mean, if you get that, the next day, I smoke it because it's no good the next day, but on the day, it's unbelievably good. When you say the word, in fairness, strawberries, yes. I think growing up there, if anybody's asked me to say one word that you associate with strawberries, and I don't mean cream or anything like that, Wexford is what I yeah. think. Yeah. <clears throat> well, see, so if you... I don't think quite... people understand that as much. So I say that to my friends here when they come over with me. I was like, you haven't experienced a strawberry until you've been to Wexford. Is there mm. anything you can share about Wexford strawberries for people watching? Because over here, unfortunately, I mean, they're all produced and they taste like water and everything. Yeah. Where it's yeah. a strawberry in Ireland and you're like, oh my God. Well, the, I think the, the biggest thing I can tell you about Wexford strawberries is, is that is to book a flight and come here <laughs> and taste them yourself. <laughs> well, okay, but why is it like, why are they not so fabulous in Donegal or Kerry? You don't think about it's the that. weather. It's because we get the highest amount of sunny days in the country. And that's why it's called a sunny southeast. You know, that has the biggest part to play. So it is the sunshine, but it's the variety that grows because you pick them today. Now you have to eat them within 24 hours. You can't, you'll never see them exported because they just, unless they got flown somewhere, you know, literally on the day because they just don't last. And that's the beauty of them. My grandmother in Cork, my great grandmother used to have a house in Sunday's Well overlooking Cork, you know, UCC in the city. Yeah. And they had rose gardens, gardens that went all the way down the hill in Shanachiel or Sunday's Well. Gooseberry shrubs everywhere. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. we have gooseberries here. They're the and, first um, berries that come out. And we still put them and eat them raw. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know why. We, I don't know why we thought they were going to get sweeter every time. Do you, know, do you know what's beautiful, though, is and we do it like, and the gooseberries are coming out now. So, normally on the restaurant now, we would have a gooseberry panna cotta. Um, so, panna cotta is like just like a, a set cream 
over a compote of, of gooseberries. And you get that kind of sourness of the gooseberries with that sweetness of that cream on top. It's unbelievable. I, I do culinary tours. I think we need to do one and, and we need to go to Don Brody. I think I need to do the right one. And we need to include Don Brody for a few days because I think, you know, your, the experience you'd have. Um, I noticed that you have beautiful wooded walks and then you can walk. Um, Catherine, maybe you could tell me a little bit about places yeah. that you can walk to from the house and what you might expect to see on your walk, you, you know. Well, they, well we're, we're really blessed with the walks that we have on the estate, first of all, and then just a little bit further afield as well. So no matter what you're interested in, or even if you're just looking for a five minute stroll, there's a lovely woodland walk. That's the one that I had been saying to you about doing the forest bathing and you just, you go in through the woods and it's just so quiet and you just have the bird song and it doesn't matter what time of the year it is. It's just the most peaceful place. And it's just lovely for, you know, a little stroll. The other walk, the, the longer one, is the coastal walk that uh, I sent you the footage for yesterday. And that has just got the most stunning views. Now it's, you, you know, it's a little bit up and downhill. So it's, uh, you've got to, you have a little bit of an effort and it's well worth it. The first yeah. part brings you down to a small private beach. Um, and then you can come up from that and it brings you all the way along um, the perimeter of the property with views all the way over to, to Waterford. One more thing, I, I, I would be remiss to not mention this and end on this note, which would be the traditional Irish pub. Oh, yes. Well, yes. Rumour has it that you don't have to go too far if you want to experience a little traditional Irish pub. As you said <laughs> to me yourselves, you have three different locations to drink on on your property. <laughs> So five years ago, we decided um, to open uh, our own pub on property. <clears throat> so it's, it's basically from the front door of the hotel. It's, it's about a 40, 40 yard walk to it. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and an 80 yard stumble back. <laughs> a 40 yard walk. What's so the name when, of the pub? You, when you go in there, it's like so traditional. So it's got like, uh, it's, got, uh, it's got a slate floor in it. It's got the old kind of cobbled walls. Uh, we have a separate kitchen there. So we have a wood burning pizza oven. We have a smokehouse. We do traditional Irish food. We, do, we play live music three nights a week in it. Um, you and Catherine? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, not, not unless you want to clear the whole place out, Rachel. <laughs> and then there's, a, there's two terraces. So there's a terrace on both sides. It's a, it's a real sun trap. But it's called the local. And a lot of the locals of the area and Irish people would actually drink in there. So it's brilliant for people that are staying in the house oh, that want to go down and kind of meet the locals as well. So it's, it's quite a busy spot, uh, which is great. It's not busy at the moment. Where would you go for some good fish and chips? There. <laughs> Best fish and chips in Ireland. I have to say that. I, I heard that you have good fish and chips. What kind of fish do you use in your fish and chips? Uh, haddock yeah. mostly depends it depends again what's coming in but haddock mostly and cod so yeah. it's the two fish that we use mm -hmm. so Nothing again like it's it. it's fresh 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 the batter is amazing it's a lovely beer batter and then all all the chips the potatoes are grown you talk about strawberries in wexford but we're equally famous for potatoes that's because of the sandy soil on the, on the coastline that the drainage oh. on the on the soil is really good so you get a lovely fl uh, fluffy potato and uh, they're brilliant for chips. Mm -hmm. 
So you get this lovely crispy uh, potato on the outside and you break it open. It's just like the a nice, ball of fluff chunk, inside. Chunky chips or French fries. Chunky chips. Yeah, yeah. no, chunky chips. And then when, um, you know, fish and chips is extremely healthy for you. <laughs> it's the healthiest way to cook fish because when you actually cook, uh, cook it in the batter and you deep fry it, yeah. what you're doing is you're actually steaming the fish inside the batter and the batter is protecting the fish. And then when you break it open, you've got beautiful white fish inside and you can eat that. The problem is, is that when you eat the batter, it's not so good for you. <laughs> I know that you have uh, something else in your uh, repertoire, and that's authoring a couple of books, maybe? A few cookbooks? Yeah, so, yeah, fortunately, we're blessed to have seven cookbooks. Uh, <clears throat> I remember the first cookbook that I produced was so uh, full, on, full on Irish, was it what it's called. And I never thought for a minute I'd ever write a cookbook. Really? And I remember getting my first uh, copy of the book, and I hugged it and I went to bed with it that night. I woke up in the morning with the book in my hand. <clears throat> and then... Was, well, you know Georgina. Georgina was involved in the publishing of that yeah. first book. Yeah, so, so Georgina Campbell uh, published the first book. And then now, I, now um, uh, uh, Mitchell Beasley is uh, my publisher in the States, Hashit Books. Uh, and uh, then, we, of course, we have the TV shows on PBS and Create TV. Uh, two shows out on, on, on the channels over in the States. Yes, we're going to have the links up for those because the TV show is, uh, is it, uh, Kevin Dundon on Modern Irish Cooking. Mm. Modern Irish Food and Kevin Dundon's Back to Basics. So and those shows have gone worldwide. Actually, <clears throat> Kevin Dundon's Modern Irish Food won the best culinary show in the world with the New York Film Festival. Did it? There. Yeah, so, so it's, uh, it's, good, it's, well, it's, it's really well shot. Uh, the talent is crap. But other than that, it's good. <laughs> What's your latest cookbook? The latest cookbook is uh, Kevin Dunn's Back to Basics. So that's uh, in with, with, um, with the TV series, locked in with the TV series. It's, it's, a really good, it's a really good book as well. But we're about to write a new one. So, What inspired you? I know it sounds obvious, but I, I think this is a, a topic. I hate when people say this near and dear to my heart, but it is for me. I mean, I grew up doing home economics in school and, you know, I remember making my first pineapple upside down cake when I was nine. Oh, uh, they're delicious. Was, uh, yeah, I know they are. And, you know, yeah. I taught myself how to bake actually. And one, I remember, do you remember the Keller Cozy Guest cooking competition? Yeah. I won did you win? I did. From the Lord Mayor. And uh, <laughs> that, that, I mean, I just like to cook I, and bake. I have no qualifications. I just been doing it. But my point yeah. is, um, and I still knit and sew and all those things. Yeah. What prompted you to write this book, Back to Basics? It sounds obvious, but I'd like you to maybe talk about the inspiration behind this book or what it, this book means to you. Or what well, it means to other people who want to purchase it. Yeah, I, I just think that um, what, at the time when I was writing it, uh, we as people all over the world were really, really busy. <clears throat> and I just felt that traditions weren't being passed on from, from, uh, from mothers and fathers to son and daughters through the cooking of the family recipes. And I felt as if we, we missed a generation of passing those recipes on. So you had a whole bunch of people that didn't have that knowledge, that base knowledge to, to cook. And I, and I wanted to create a cookbook that gives people the, the foundations of good cooking. And then once you have the foundations of good cook, cooking, you're, you, then you can diversify and you, and you understand how food works and you get success every time you go to cook. And that's mainly the reason for it. 
So like if you take uh, one chapter's chapter on eggs, it actually starts by how do you crack an egg to how do you poach an egg, how to scramble an egg, how to make an omelet, all the way up to making a raspberry souffle, a hot souffle and meringues in between. But <clears throat> the souffle sounds very daunting for anybody. But once you've gone through the chapter and cooked all the way through the chapter, <coughs> the souffle is so easy for you to do so. And if somebody here in the States wants to purchase that book, um, where can yeah, they? Yeah, they're, they're in Barnes and Nobles, they're, they're in Amazon, they're on all the usual spots. Just Google this fantastic name, Kevin Dundon. <laughs> well, we'll put <laughs> up the but it means you've yeah. written the book um, for the American audience too, meaning that there is conversion. There's so cup, yeah, cups, cups and ounces and um, whatever. Okay. Um, sticks of butter. Yeah. <laughs> whatever they are. <laughs> Look, you can take the girl out of Ireland, but I still use my weighing scales and, you know, yeah. I have cups and I barely use them. Um, but that's wonderful. So, um, one final note on the Back to Basics book is, do you find now um, with your Instagram videos and everything, it's almost coming full circle with this book that people are, yeah, they're tuning in to watch you for a lot of reasons, but people are kind of re revisiting their kitchen almost. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Back to, yeah. And also what we've done, we have a link on our own website, dumbrollyes.com, that yes. you can actually purchase a book that I'll actually sign, sign a personal copy okay. and mail them to you. And we, okay. And, I think we, we yeah, we, we pay for the mailing because we're decent. Oh, people. that's good to know. But I think that's really yeah. lovely to have a book like that right now. So, well, yeah. thank mm -hmm. you both very much for joining us. Absolute pleasure.